Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, hello and thank you for joining us on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marissa Charles. It's a pleasure to be here, uh, Ron. It's, it's nice to see you. Now, last week, we talked to a urologist, and we have someone else joining us today who turns out to be in the same office as Dr. Shaw. We'll be talking about something called benign prostate hyperplasia, uh, which she said to me off the air, I'll probably get. Statistically what speaking. Is, what does that mean? What is it? We'll find out. And we welcome Dr. Julia Willingham. Uh, she is the urologist we mentioned at USMD Fort Worth Clearforth Clinic, earned her medical degree at Texas Tech University Health Science Center School of Medicine at Lubbock, completed her urology residency at Louisiana State University Health Science Center. And Dr. Willingham is board certified by the American Board of Urology. That health science center she went to was in Shreveport. And uh, we are delighted to have you on, Dr. Willingham, born and raised in Fort Worth, and you stayed home to practice your specialty. Yes, thank you, Ron, for that great introduction. I am delighted to be here today. What attracted you to uh, urology? We had asked your uh, co-worker, Dr. Shaw, that question last week, uh, and, and I'd be curious to hear your answer. Well, I was initially drawn to it due to the surgical aspect and nature of it, uh, as well as the fact that I could see a variety of different patients, both men and women. But can I be honest with you? Sure. Yeah. We would love that. I really loved the fact that when I was talking to people, we were talking about these really important things in life, sex and urination. And I thought, wow, if I can help people with this, we can really get somewhere. And how's that That's worked fantastic. out? Perfectly. Um, I love what I do. I love coming into the office every day. And, and when you mention both urine and sex, uh, of course, people come to you with uh, sexual dysfunctions and problems uh, where sex is painful or it isn't working out. Uh, for the men, maybe erectile dysfunction. For the women, uh, vaginal pain and a whole lot of stuff. And you're able to fix that. We Fix is a tough word because it implies that someone is broken. Um, but we can definitely make improvements and strides to make those issues less significant and help people enjoy sex again. And that has to be a good feeling for you to get that report back. It, it is. I love when people come in and they say, hey, me and my significant other, we're, we're having a good time now. Thank you. <laughs> I like that. And uh, was that something when you got into the practice uh, that you didn't know how often that would come up? I had a feeling that it would be something pretty common. It's something people don't really like to talk about, but when they are having a problem and they get into a, a safe space where they can, it just, it comes out. Or is it one of those as they're leaving the, the, the exam room, oh, by the way, and then they tell you what the problem is? Oh, well, sometimes it's that too. It's, it's really whatever is most comfortable for the, the person there um, in the room with me. Now, we teased one of the topics you wanted to talk about uh, today is benign prostatic hyperplasia. And you looked me right in my beady brown eyes over our Zoom link and you said, <laughs> hey, you're going to get it. I did, yes. So what is it? I know as a guy, I've got a prostate, but 
what is that condition? Yeah, so BPH really means an enlarged prostate, uh, but we're we're actually referring to is male urinary symptoms. And this can look like a frequent need to urinate both day and night. It can look like a weak or slow urinary stream, or it could look like difficulty or a delay in starting urination. Those are some of the more common ones. And for someone like me who's on a diuretic, how do you know what frequent urination is when you go all the time? Anyhow, Bingo. We use the term frequency to mean going more than once every three hours. But if you're on a diuretic, you're going to be doing that already. Um, so that term frequency is a bit uh, of a soft definition. Definitely uh, takes into account other things going on. Well, I know how long it takes for the diuretic uh, to wear off. So six hours later, I'm good. So don't take that diuretic right before bed. No, I learned that the hard way. That was one thing. It's interesting. My cardiologist, who was the one who initially uh, prescribed it uh, to, to help me deal with uh, uh, a problem or two, didn't say to me, you want to take this in the morning. Oh, I and learned that the hard sometimes way. Sometimes those medicines are common and maybe we just figure that people would know, but it's yeah, important know. to note, yeah, that it yeah. is important for us to say, especially when we're starting a new medicine. So um, now I set the alarm clock, I get up at 4.30 to take it. Not a bad idea. Just exaggerating, but close to that. Yeah. So BPH, yeah. you see the TV ads for it uh, all the time. Take this and uh, your problems are solved. Uh, are there medications that are helpful? Absolutely. When it comes to treatment options, there are a lot of things out there today. And one of those things is medications, which is often a first step for many men. A first step after many steps to the bathroom. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> so is Flomax one of those meds? Yes, Flomax is the most commonly prescribed medication for urinary symptoms due to an enlarged prostate. Because it came up last week when Dr. Shaw was talking about kidney stones and mentioned that Flomax uh, can be helpful in getting you to pass a kidney stone. Yes, well, it acts by allowing, targeting these receptors, which can allow for something called smooth muscle relaxation. And how that works in the prostate is it helps relax the outflow, the prostate and the base of the bladder to allow that urine to flow more smoothly. It's an oversimplification, but a very general idea. Well, I guess what would be helpful for those who don't really know, they, they, they understand the men have a prostate hanging out there somewhere. What's its purpose? What does it do? And, and how beyond the kind of frequent urination we're talking about, do you know if you have a problem? And I'm going to get the answer from you in just a moment. For folks who just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, and we're talking with Dr. Julia Willingham. She's a urologist at USMD Fort Worth Clear Fort Clinic up in Fort Worth. And we're talking about BPH, benign prostatic hyperplasia. So what is the prostate all about? Why do we have them as a male and women don't? Great question. Um, the prostate is a gland and it is located right underneath your bladder and it wraps around the urethra. So circumferentially wraps around that urethra right underneath the bladder. And the purpose of the prostate is to secrete fluid that helps support the sperm in reproduction. So it's a reproductive gland. So sperm juice is what it produces. Yes, sperm juice. And exactly. 
when it's not working right, how do you know? Well, define what you mean about not working right. Well, you mentioned for example, enlarged. Okay. Okay. So you start to have some quality of life issues. You start to notice, Hey, I'm going to the bathroom a whole lot and it has nothing to do with this diuretic that I'm taking. Or when I have to go, I have to run. And these things have been interfering with my ability to go out and play golf or go have dinner with my friends. Or maybe you're in the bathroom and you notice that your stream is really weak and you've been standing there for 60 seconds. And there have been two other guys who come into the urinal and use the bathroom while you're standing there. Right. That's, that's when you've got a clue that you have a problem. And describe that problem to your PCP who may send you to a urologist. Absolutely. And one of the things that I think is so important for our listeners to keep in mind is that if you're you're working with your PCP, they can really do a great job. But if you've had BPH symptoms for a few years, or if your symptoms are moderate to severe and really bothering you, that is the time to go get a urologist. You don't need to wait until something more severe happens. And what do you do then as a urologist? Great question. Um, I'd love to talk to you about what my initial evaluation would look like. Or Ron, if you came into my office and you said, hey, I'm having these problems. Um, So first I would get a medical history from you. Um, I would have you fill out a questionnaire about your urinary symptoms. It's a standardized questionnaire that you would find at any urologist's office. I would do a physical exam. So penis, testicles, and prostate. And we would also do something called a post-void residual, where we would take a low-tech ultrasound and place it over the bladder to see if there's any urine left over in there after you finished voiding. If you haven't had a PSA, I also would get one of those. And and that's the blood test that indicates whether you have a, a prostate issue. It's a screening test for prostate cancer. Yeah, because it gives some false negatives, I know. Yes, and one of those false negatives can be from an enlarged prostate. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Big prostates, in some instances, make a lot of PSA. Do urologists and, and PCPs still do digital exams? Yes. Yes, we do. And it's actually a really important part of the evaluation. In addition to picking up things like prostate cancer, it can also give us a general idea of how large your prostate is, which can give us an idea of if your symptoms are due to your prostate at all. I was always curious how you train one little finger to figure all that out. (laughs) You know, we actually have um, in medical school and residency, we actually have models that we can practice on first. I actually met a guy once who, who volunteers at the medical school here, UT Health, for prostate exams. That's an interesting job. They don't make a living. (laughs) Yeah. Did you use live models as well? Yes, we did. Uh, That was part of our evaluation in medical school. We would have patients like your friend who would volunteer and we would practice our exams. Interesting. And Dr. Charles, in in your case, when, when do you know to refer someone to a urologist? So um, just like Dr. Willingham was saying, you know, when you have a patient who's been, you know, often we'll have patients that present that initial symptom, you know, hey, I've been urinating a little bit more frequently, maybe having a, a mildly harder time initiating a urinary 
stream. I mean, we may initiate medication as primary care doctors, you know, for patients and see if that helps. And in a lot of patients, that's all they need initially. Um, but when the symptoms are persistent or they're getting worse or the medications aren't helping, then we absolutely will refer to our colleagues, um, to a urologist for additional interventions and assistance. All right, now stay with me just a minute, Dr. Willingham. We're going to come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron. We appreciate you all listening to WellMed Radio. Dr. Julia Willingham is our special guest, a urologist at USMD Fort Worth Clearfort Clinic up in Fort Worth, Texas. And our co-host, Dr. Maurice Charles, is here. I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for listening to WellMed Radio. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. Crying, waiting, hoping. Thank you so much for listening to WellMed Radio. We are so pleased to have you with us. A fascinating discussion, whether you're a male or a female, talking about BPH, benign prostatic hyperplasia. And the fact is, it is very often women who get the guy to go in to see the doctor. So you play an important role here. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. And we're talking on our WellMed Radio hotline with Dr. Julia Willingham. She's a urologist at USMD Fort Worth Clear Fork Clinic up in Fort Worth, Texas. She practices where she grew up, which is pretty neat. So, Dr. Willingham, we were talking about ways in which uh, you can treat uh, BPH. But talk to me a little bit about some of the other urological issues that men and or women may struggle with. Just in general, aside from BPH? Yes. Something else that's really common is incontinence. And this means accidental leakage of urine. And it's estimated that 25% of men and 50% of women over the age of 50 have urinary incontinence of some type or severity. That's I a dribble when I laugh. That's astounding. Yeah. yeah. Bingo. Exactly. Those are big numbers. Yeah. So that would also be something... Uh, an indication for someone to come talk to a urologist because we have treatment options and there are things we can do for that. For example, if you're a woman with urinary incontinence, obviously it's embarrassing. It's difficult to deal with. It can hamper your social life. What is it you can do for them? The first thing that we do for them is differentiate the cause of the incontinence For example, in some women or men, it has to do with, I have to go to the bathroom right now and we don't have time to get there. And then in others, it's you cough or you laugh or you're jumping rope and exercising and the urine just leaks out. So if it's a, I can't get to the bathroom in time, we usually start with medications. 
And if those medications don't work, there are some minimally invasive procedures, office-based things that we can do to help calm the bladder down. And then if it's stress leakage, the kind with pressure or movement, we can target this with physical therapy from a non-invasive standpoint or move into that surgical realm where, once again, we have some office-based procedures as well as um, operating room-based things that we can offer. Like what? As far as for the stress incontinence surgery, in the office, we can do this procedure called urethral bulking, which is really neat. We take a camera, a little lighted camera, and we go into the urethra itself. And taking a teeny little needle, we can inject a material into the urethra. So it puffs up and and bulks up. You can almost imagine if you bulked up your lips, how they would be nice, nice and pillowy and fluffy. Well, we can do the same thing to the urethra and in doing so increase that outlet resistance so that when you cough, there's more resistance there. In the operating room, the gold standard is something called a mid-urethral sling, whereby we make a small cut in the vagina and then place a little piece of mesh. This has never been recalled by the FDA, by the way, for this indication. It's considered to be very safe. And that piece of mesh acts like a hammock. So anytime you cough, that little hammock supports the urethra so that urine doesn't come out. And are any of those procedures available for men as well, or do they have different kinds of problems with urine leaking? Well, men... Speaking for a friend, of course. (laughs) Of course. Um, The same treatment options are, in fact, available for men. For overactive bladder, we commonly use office-based Botox or uh, we can use medications. Men don't as frequently have stress urinary incontinence because... Because of the anatomy. Yes, because of the prostate. So this is a place where it actually helps you out. Uh, unless a man has had prostate surgery or potentially a neurologic issue that has complicated the picture. And that's when we can see stress incontinence in men. And yes, men can also have slings placed. I thought it'd be cool to have a puffy urethra. (laughs) (laughs) That actually sounds like it may be quite helpful. Um, You know, we do see a lot of patients that are that struggle with the urinary incontinence, female patients, especially, and it can be sometimes both the the stress and the urge incontinence mixed in the same picture, which makes it, I think, a little harder to treat. Do you still recommend the Kegel exercises? I am a huge proponent of pelvic floor physical therapy, actually, for both men and women. If you've not had pelvic floor physical therapy, you need to look it up. They've got great therapists in in San Antonio or wherever you are. They can really help you, first of all, figure out what the heck a Kegel is, because you can read about it in Cosmopolitan all you want. But when it comes to actually activating your own muscles and doing so in a meaningful way, it's not quite as easy as it sounds. And a good trained physical therapist can help you with both the contraction phase and also the relaxation phase, which is equally as important. And what does it do for Very you? Interesting. Pelvic floor physical therapy? Yes. There are the lots Kegel of Kegel different... exercise. Sure. Kegel exercises can help you control your pelvic floor, which can then help you with stress incontinence. It can help with symptoms of prolapse. And being able to relax the pelvic floor pro- properly can also help with those two issues, as well as help with uncomfortable sex. Now, uncomfortable sex would be caused in that case by... 
a hypertonic pelvic floor, which is an overly tight pelvic floor. And the pelvic floor is simply a network of muscles and fascia, connective tissue, just like your back. So if you imagine you go to the masseuse and you get some of those knots worked out in your back and suddenly your back can move in new ways and you're feeling really good, a good physical therapist can do the same thing for your pelvic floor. That's cool. Can you self-refer for that or do you need a, a primary care physician to tell you what you need? Probably depends on your insurance, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, that's probably underutilized. The pelvic floor physical therapy and definitely will look into using that more. But I, I know that there's a lot of patients that would benefit. And we do talk, try to teach Kegel as best we can, but it is hard to learn. It's hard to identify those muscles when you're on your own. Um, so that, that sounds great. Yeah. You need to find some physical therapists to whom you can refer. Who are yeah, I know there's, the, there, there's several groups um, that, that we utilize often, but, you know, to see if they're doing the targeted pelvic floor therapy, that's, that's right. different. So that's good. So Dr. Willingham, what are some of the other issues that uh, we need to look at when it comes uh, to our need for a urologist? The bladder itself, as far as incontinence and, and BPH, specifically when the bladder is obstructed, like in BPH, it can undergo some long-term changes to where it doesn't work so well anymore. And for patients as we age, actually, some of that may be a natural response to aging, where the bladder just doesn't squeeze how it's supposed to squeeze. So incomplete bladder emptying or urinary retention would be another issue where we would need to see a urologist. Because some people will say, you know, I, I just urinated, but I feel like I got to go again. Yes, and that really does happen. In fact, we recommend double voiding, whereby someone goes to the bathroom and then either sits down or takes a few moments and then attempts to void again to empty the rest of the bladder out is actually a very healthy and normal sort of lifestyle, non-surgical, non-medical strategy for dealing with uh, either BPH or incomplete bladder emptying in general. So that's something that we should share with more people. Yes. So double voiding. So you, double you voiding. sit and you urinate, then you wait a few minutes, maybe five, maybe not even. Maybe not even. We don't always have that luxury of time. Mommy, right. what are you still doing in the bathroom? Give I'm me a minute. Voiding. I have to <laughs> double void. <laughs> exactly. Gives you another reason. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. And when you think about uh, the bladder, most of us don't really think about our bladder very often, except when there's an issue. Uh, are there uh, triggers that would tell us we're having a problem with the bladder? Yes. Uh, so most bladder issues are quality of life concerns. Again, it gets in the way of you doing activities that you enjoy, or you find that whenever you go out in public, the first thing that you're thinking about is where is the bathroom? How long is the line and how can I get there? That is a clear indication that a urologist could help you. And that's my biggest recommendation of all of them. It's awful when you go, for example, to the theater or uh, to you know a live stage show uh, that the women's room never has enough seats. Never. Right. You see lines oh. out into the hallway, right? <laughs> yeah. So if we're talking about ways to best take care of your bladder and, and try to prevent these issues from happening in the first place, are are there any like gold recommendations that you like to give your patients, you know, for example, dietary, maybe caffeine intake, anything along those lines that you um, like to recommend that your patients do? Like what about cranberry? Great question. 
As far as BPH is concerned, there's not a whole lot that you can really do with your diet or exercise that will prevent the prostate from growing. That looks to be more related to genetic or hormonal influences. But as far as management of symptoms, limiting or avoiding caffeine, because caffeine can exacerbate urinary frequency and urgency, is a strong recommendation. If you're drinking coffee all day or a lot of caffeinated sodas, this can really make your symptoms worse. I would also advise against drinking large amount of fluids in the afternoon and to stop drinking fluids completely two to three hours before bed if you find yourself waking up a lot at nighttime. So those are some other simple steps. As now, far as... Oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but you mentioned waking up during the night. Uh, there are a lot of men who, who will say, well, you know, I wake up every night. Is that normal? And if it's only once or twice, three, four, five, six times, what's normal? Normal is considered zero to one times per night and twice per night in some men may be considered acceptable. But for my men who are waking up three or more times a night, I'm talking to them and I'm telling them, hey, what we're doing right now does not look to be like it's working. If we're already on meds, let's start talking about different procedure options that we could do for you that can help you sleep through the night because sleep is really important. I got to stop you right there. Hey, thank you. You've been a great guest, and uh, you're in danger of being invited back. You've done such a super time. So thank you. Dr. Julia Willingham, you can find her at USMD Fort Worth Clear Fork Clinic, a urologist, and we appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Julia. Thank you so much for having me. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye. For Dr. Marisa Charles, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks so much for joining us right here on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.